Hello, everyone. And today, I'm so excited. We have a fantastic guest. She's also, honestly, a personal friend of mine. And her name is Monet Renoir. She's an intercultural architect and life coach. So welcome, Monet. So excited for you to be here. And uh, please tell us a bit, uh, what is an intercultural architect? What do you do, really? Well, Nicoletta, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure when we have the opportunity to share and and be together and just connect. And so it's a pleasure for me to be here with you in the setting as well. So what is an intercultural architect? Well, that's a good question. And I call myself an intercultural architect because that's actually what I do. I support people who are in transition, who are building their lives abroad, or are building their lives in new environments, or they're in the situation where they lived abroad for several years, and now they're reculturating back to their passport country. So those are the particular challenges that my my clients face, and I help them build a life based on a, a framework that has seven components that supports them in integrating all these seven components in a way that's holistic and sustainable. So I use the term global citizenship. And for me, global citizenship is not a buzzword. It's a basket of skills. It's a basket of competencies that supports individuals who are living in the spaces between being multicultural, multilingual, and globally mobile. Wow. Put all those pieces together to live a life that really represents who they are, where they're, where they've been and where they're going. And this is, I mean, honestly, you know how we feel that the world is getting smaller some way because now we have easy access to, you know, moving country or uh, just, uh, yeah, visit, uh, I don't know, the other side of the world. And I know that it's not the same um, when you do it as a tourist, and it's very different when you're really trying to reestablish yourself and create your life. So did you go through the same experience yourself, you know? Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I realized for myself that I was multicultural and multilingual, and then I became globally mobile. I grew up in an environment where I had access and contacted a lot of different kinds of cultures and languages. And I, be, and I had an awareness really as a young child about the interconnectedness of the human experience. That was really was something I found very fascinating. And I went to a kindergarten and a preschool where I was in contact with a lot of Spanish speaking children. And so I was curious about their language. Spanish, English is our, my, was my first language. So I was aware, really at a, at a relatively early age, the awareness that different cultures and different languages live together in a space and that there is an invisible wall until we learn how to build those bridges and make those connections and make that an enriching experience rather than something that divides communities. So that was my first experience. And then growing up in in, in the U.S., I actually grew up in, in three U.S. East Coast states. I grew up in Massachusetts. I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in Pennsylvania. So by the time I was 14, I had already lived in, in, in three different U.S. states. So I was mobile. I was multicultural. I, was also, I also decided to learn uh, Spanish as my first foreign language and then uh, 
German and then French. So I experienced all of those different elements of being multilingual, multicultural, and then mobile. And then as a 17 year old, I took the leap abroad. So then I became globally mobile and spent my senior year of high school as an exchange student in Berlin. That was my first international experience. An adventure, really. Indeed. <laughs> and is that what convinced you to move to Germany in the end? Well, that's it. Well, yes and no. I realized that when I uh, arrived in Berlin, it was challenging to say the least. I had learned some German in school, but it was very different from learning German in school than having biology, chemistry, physics, history, all these languages, all, all these subjects in German and then living in wow. a, immersed in a German speaking environment. So that was a huge challenge. And then this was before social media, this is before email. So I pretty much lost, I was losing contact with, with, with friends in the States and because I was out of sight, I was out of mind. And sure. there, were no, there were no letters and there were no phone calls. So I was, I realized, okay, I, you know, it's up to me to make this, this a really meaningful experience for me. And so Germany was not necessarily the first place or the top place on my list at the time, but it was the opportunity that presented itself. And so I took the plunge and decided to, to live in Berlin. And I think after that year abroad, that year in Berlin, I considered maybe living in Germany, but I also was open to other countries, mm. Spanish-speaking countries, French-speaking countries, also other English-speaking countries. So I was open. Well, you had so much choice, you know. I think in a way as well, the language makes you free because uh, then you had uh, all those, uh, you know, fantastic countries to pick from um, when language is not an issue anymore. And now you are kind of like happily I will say happily between quotation mark uh, settled or maybe settled that I should be using quotation marks because uh, we never know, right? It's like uh, for how long we are really in a place now that we have all these opportunities kind of to move around. Exactly. And actually I do, we do have one more transition in the back of our minds. My really? husband and I are considering leaving uh, Cologne, Germany at some point and, uh, reinventing ourselves together in the Provence. So we, oh, that's, that's fantastic. moving towards that, we go to we, we vacation in the Provence relatively frequently, not every year, but this year we'll, we'll be back in the Provence. So we're, we're, we're moving toward, moving in that direction. So I, it's, it's time for us both to rush off our, our French and, yeah. and move in that direction to see how that feels for us. And what the, uh, what do you wish you had known when you started this adventure as uh, architect, uh, you know, intercultural architect? Well, there, I think what I wish I would have known, I know for me, when I came back to Cologne, that was really where I now teach other clients the skills that I wish I had at the very beginning. And that's what really led me to this, 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 this work as an intercultural architect. I thought because I had, I had reinvented myself in New York, in Washington, D.C., in Berlin, in Madrid, I had traveled extensively, that coming back, to, coming back to Germany, coming back to Cologne, that that would just be smooth sailing. And it wasn't. Instead. <laughs> Instead, it was 
an experience that on paper was everything I thought I wanted. An exciting job, working in international media. I was traveling a lot. Uh, I was traveling re regularly to, to film festivals at, in Cannes, in, in, in Berlin, and meeting in exciting personalities. And it looked very glamorous and felt very glamorous for a while. But I was on the verge of burning out. Mm -hmm. So I knew I needed to make a change. And I couldn't figure out what, what I needed to do differently because according to my own understanding, okay, I, I, I know the language, I know the culture. I'm, I'm not in some small remote village. I'm in a thriving, I'm in, I'm in a one, I think, I think Cologne is like maybe the fourth, Germany's fourth or fifth largest yeah, city. A proper city. A million people, right. over a million people. Yeah. So I said, I couldn't figure out. And that's when I began to develop a framework because my first knee jerk reaction was, okay, this was a mistake. I need to leave. Germany's not the right place for me. Cologne is not the right city for me. I need to move. But then the question became, yeah, and, and go where? Yeah. And Do I go? going to happen in this right. place. And if I didn't learn what I needed to learn here and now, I was just going to replicate that same experience somewhere else. Yeah. And you know what? The funny thing is that, and you know, I lived abroad, right? Uh, so for more than 20 years. And uh, often um, I met plenty of Italians that were living in Ireland and they would just stay two, three months. Uh, then things didn't really work out as they hoped for or as they planned. And then they went back to Italy. But I feel that is necessary as well, like with everything, to give ourselves time as well to experience uh, local life, to experience as well uh, different dynamics because I feel that I am different. I'm different depending where I where I'm living. In a way that you adapt, right to the to the to the country, but you also have to change your habits and need to find new ones because uh, you know what worked before. Even with the friends, you were mentioning it for your um, year, you know, abroad as a student. Uh, but it's even more true I feel and more felt when you are an adult because uh, we struggle a bit more to make friends honestly Indeed. definitely definitely <laughs> and, we don't have right? it we don't have those moments where we can meet each other it's like there was always school yes You're an and, adult, okay there's the workplace and then you know it's not advisable to have your your circle of friends exclusively in the workplace it's advisable to have friends in from other sources or from other environments well, it's good because that makes, uh, you know, your life a bit richer. I can tell you that, uh, of course, when I was in Ireland uh, um, and working in corporate, uh, uh, most of our friends were from the company and that limited a lot as well, the range of conversation that you can have because uh, that's all that. I think uh, what contributed to that is that the majority of us were really um, uh, in a way from different countries. So there were very few locals. Uh, the locals, of course, had the connections uh, to, the, to the city, to the places and so on. We didn't. So in the end, uh, we, we were lacking that type of, uh, you know, I don't know, extra link maybe that would have brought us a bit closer even to enjoy and embrace the city. 
So yes. that's, I call that a different layer of belonging. There are different layers of belonging that we, that it's advisable for us to cultivate when we're reinventing ourselves abroad. And I was in a similar situation because I was traveling so much. Most of my friends were colleagues and that was not, that was not uh, sustainable either. So I decided, okay, I'm going to figure out what I need to figure out. And I quit my job. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I quit my job and figured out how to make my life work holistically in a way that was sustainable and felt good for me. And I'm glad I did because then I met my husband three years later. We've been wow. uh, partners in life and in marriage for the last 16 years now in counting. So I'm glad I stuck it out. I'm glad I figured it out. And I'm glad I figured it out on my own before we had a chance to get married so that I could come as a full, whole adult person into the relationship. Um, that's very healthy, by the way. It, it changes as well, the dynamics in a relationship. And uh, I'm sure that now, so, okay, we talked a little bit about some challenges, but I want to ask you specifically for your business and you know what you do and how you help your clients. What are some challenges maybe that uh, you experienced that you have overcome and you know how did you do it? Well, well, with, in working with my clients, I find that there are a lot of similarities in terms of the things that I overcame. So it's, it feels really appropriate for me and really authentic for me to be able to support people in that way, not only from the perspective of having firsthand experience, but also having the, the, the empathy and the compassion that's, that's necessary to, to weather through those twists and those storms and those challenging moments. And I think... Particularly, I focus primarily on, on people who have lived abroad before, and this is not their first international experience, but somehow it's not flowing or not clicking or they can't really plug in seamlessly the way they think they should. And I think that's part of where I help them first is to make, create an awareness around, no, you shouldn't plug and play seamlessly. This is a new experience. We think that because we've done this before somewhere else that we don't, we don't go through these stages. But my clients typically come to me where at, at the phase where it was initially the best decision they could have ever made. And then they come to me and it's the worst decision they could have ever made. And they're withdrawing from, from, from life. They're withdrawing from, from the things that bring them joy. They're teetering on the brink of a situational depression. Now, I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about chemical imbalance. I'm talking about those experiences that I call gray moments <laughs> where you have these experiences and you have the opportunity either to up-level into a new level of self-awareness and personal integrity as well as intercultural mastery on one end or you can fall down that rabbit hole. And then there's the shame, there's the blame, there's, there's, there's the escaping. And then there's a whole other host of, of very toxic behaviors that can emerge. I think uh, a lot depends as well from uh, the reason why someone moved, okay? Because, uh, well, this time and, and uh, you know, and age and in Europe, especially, uh, I think in, in the States as well, maybe it's like people might move for work because, uh, you know, maybe their state where they're from, you know, the country where they're from, there are no many jobs, so they're moving, but they haven't really done their homework on how is my life going to be when I move, because there is a lot more 
behind and beside work, right? So there is that. There is the fact that uh, other times uh, we keep moving. We can move into a different place because uh, a situation, I don't know, we don't like. So we try to move. But of course, the situation follows us or at least our mindset about it. So there is that part. And uh, I can really recognize one thing when you said sometimes not believing fully because you feel like you are in between and uh, because, you know, you don't really know if that's the, your final place where you're going to settle and so on. And I remember for myself, because I moved uh, around a lot and uh, I remember that stopped me from making meaningful friendships for some time because uh, like I was in London and I was like I don't know how long I'm gonna stay in London so yes I had friends but I wasn't really putting my heart into it you know it like I was like okay I would have nurtured them way more if I known that I was gonna stay but I didn't or same thing you know when uh, I, I moved to Ireland so when I moved to Cork it took me I would say nine months, it was almost, you know, a <laughs> labor there, but it was a, um, a time for me to grow and understand, you know, what doesn't matter if I'm staying or not. What it matters is that now I'm here and I want to live life fully right now. And I think that was really a, um, a, a crucial moment for me and my happiness in, uh, you know, how, what I was living, even in enjoying the place. Because uh, if you're thinking to move away all the time, even the house doesn't fill your house, you know, or thing. I mean, I'm sure you know, but it's like definitely for me, that was something that, that I experienced. And until I said, you know what, I might not be staying in this house forever, but who cares? This is my house right now. So I make it my own, you know, in terms of uh, personalization, just doing your things that you like, uh, inviting friends over, and then even having enough friends, you know, to invite because you actually invested time in them. Um, that's something that, you know, in the past I would not have done. So I really see that now, though, in new people moving abroad and experiencing that initial question mark, am I staying, am I going? And then not given a full chance to the experience to take place. Because it is a rich experience. And I think we have these very romanticized views about what a, a shift, a, a change abroad, reinventing ourselves abroad looks and feels like. And, and all those things may be true, but we don't factor in those moments where there are misunderstandings, there's, there's, there's awkwardness, there, there are these feelings of not being able to be your full self because you're still navigating the new environment from a cultural perspective or, or from a linguistic perspective and you feel like the outsider. And that's why it's critical to have a framework that you cultivate for yourself from the inside out so that no matter what comes or what goes, you're cultivating those three, three areas of belonging with yourself, with other people who are also in similar global reinvention phases as yourself, as well as people within the local culture so that you know where to go for different kinds of support. That's true. A person who's been living there their whole life is not going to be able to relate to some of the things that a person who is adapting to the new culture and adapting to the new language, they may not be able to relate to that because yeah. that's not their reality. And even though they may be compassionate, 
it still may not be the kind of compassion that you need in those critical, what I call gray moments. So you don't go to those people for those things. You have your other layer of belonging when you're connected with other global citizens like yourself who are at various stages of their acculturation journey. And, they, and then you have that support because you feel seen, you feel heard, they get it, and it's not a whole lot of explanation. Yeah, and uh, honestly, and, and you know this because we, I mentioned it uh, when uh, initially, you know, I discovered what you do and so on, and how needed this is, really, because, um, and I say exactly because of my experience, but because I see it as well from a lot of others. Um, I wish I had that when I moved, and when I moved again, and when I moved again, because maybe I would not have needed, let's say, to move, you know, all that many times in different countries so much. Um, I'm happy because, of course, that's my journey, and now, you know, I'm all the richer for that. But at the same time, I know that you could have taken away some of that growing pains that really, uh, I think everyone moving abroad experienced a little bit, and in different degrees. Indeed. And again, for myself, these are skills that I developed at various stages of my journey during my various experiences abroad. When, when thinking about network or cultivating a layer of belonging with people who have similar experiences of, of living multiculturally and multilinguistically, as an exchange student in high school, there were six of us exchange students that were living in Berlin. Oh, wow. So we all were committed to learning, mastering the language, mastering the culture, thriving in our, in our host families. But we all made an agreement with each other that if it gets critical and we need support, that we can call each other. And then we just give the, the signal was the, the number that you dial in the U.S. when you need to call the fire department or the police department or, or the ambulance, you dial 911. Yeah. So we would call each other and we would say, this is a 911. And then we would bring <laughs> to me in a cafe and then we would tell each other the whole story. Sometimes we would cry because we were determined that we were not going to cry in front of our host families. But yeah. we, we were willing to cry with, with each other and support each other through. Oh, that's beautiful and and I love that even at that you know young age overall like you guys had the maturity to understand that you needed that support like I think maybe because you were so young at the time you were in your group you were able to do that because I think that for adults is we have so many layers and we try to protect ourselves so so much that it's a, it's a bigger struggle, you know, just to show that vulnerability and just to put yourself out there. But I love that 911. <laughs> yes, 911, and we knew exactly what that meant, and we made plans to meet at the nearest cafe to the person in need, and then we would talk it through and figure it out. Oh, I love it. I love and then it. dry each other's tears, and then go back to our families and be the best, the best ambassadors. Really, we were all ambassadors. We felt to. From, from the United States to Germany, and that we wanted to really make it a successful experience to, to represent our countries well and to also build long-lasting relationships with our hosts. And, okay, so big journey, big transitions. So what is success for Monair? And would you consider yourself successful? Success for me is walking my talk. That means 
the same basket of skills and competencies that I support uh, my clients in cultivating and building for themselves these practices. These are things that I also practice for myself and do them consistently. So that in all my seven key areas, which I'll give you a brief rundown of what they are, that I'm showing up fully and I'm able to be, to be that, not only talk about what I do, but really embody what I do so that I am able to live that sustainably for myself because I realize that's what, 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 what makes my life meaningful. I love it. And so yes, I am successful because I, I, I'm committed to doing those things. Yeah. Um, sustainably. Do you know, I mean, you know why I asked this question and that's really because we all see success in different ways. You know, when I, when I, um, when I left Italy at the time, and even after when I was working so hard on my career, for me, success was corporate success. It meant, you know, climbing that ladder, going up and, uh, you know, had more money. Money was a big measure of my success personally. And uh, I sacrificed a lot because of that, you know, and I definitely didn't feel in balance. And sometimes I did not feel authentic to myself. Um, and that caused a lot of issues, you know, close to burnout, really emotionally and physically tired uh, and so on. So I love when you say that really you are, you know, striving to have that holistic approach, that balance, that life full of meaning, because uh, you know what meaning is to you and you took the time to actually explore it. <laughs> And, uh, um, and I think that's what I, I would love people listening to this to do, because I would really love to just uh, don't stop basically at the first idea of success that you have. And don't be afraid to say the success changes, you know, because uh, what you want when you're younger is different as you grow older or as you move country or, you know, as life changes. So for me, definitely changed a lot, my vision of success. So I'm so happy, you know, and what you're saying resonates so much with me um, and it's beautiful. Well, Nicoletta, like you, I also was socialized in an environment where it was work, 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 work. And so my standard for success was also work and travel and all these trappings and all these outer, all this glitter. But when I reached that point, when I came to Cologne and realized, okay, I have all these things and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm unhappy, I'm frustrated, I'm isolated. And I feel, I, I, I feel like I still, I feel like a failure, even though I have all these things that outwardly people would perceive to be as elements of success. I yeah. needed something different. And I, and I took the time to figure out what that was. And so that for me really is living in a, in a really a dynamic uh, harmony in the seven key areas of my life. And I'm just going to run those down for you. Yes, please. It's for, the first one is spiritual goals and spiritual can have to do with, with a particular uh, spiritual or religious community, but it can also just also mean just living in congruence with your values and your core beliefs. And then there are the personal development goals and the self-mastery goals and the accountability goals. Holding yourself accountable to those values that are critical to who you are. Because what I've discovered, it's actually my values that make me valuable 
that enable me to bring value to the world. So that's why we have these moments when we feel inauthentic, when we're not living according to our values, because then we don't, we don't value what, we, what our core values are. 100%. And we're not bringing that value to the world in the way that only we as unique individuals can. I love it. And you know, it's like I wrote, uh, just recently I, I stumbled across, I wrote a, a, um, a blog post about, uh, you know, identify your values. Basically, let your values uh, unveil your future because if we know what's important to us, then we know how to move, uh, you know, towards that. If we don't know, everything we do is uh, just uh, luck and it's a bit of trying to do something and then if it works, it works. If it doesn't, ah, oh, well, and uh, that causes a lot of issues. What you were saying about feeling like a fraud, you know, and uh, because you weren't in alignment with your values, I see that a lot uh, with people suffering, you know, from imposter syndrome. And that's because, yes, it's an imposter syndrome. Yes, you're supposed by definition, you know, to feel like, oh, you're not good enough, you're feeling like a fraud because of, you know, challenging yourself, stepping up and doing something outside of your comfort zone. But also sometimes it's because what we are doing is not done in a way that is authentic to ourselves, aligned to our values. So there are different reasons. The symptom might be the same, but the root cause is very different. So I love that you mentioned it because uh, I see it so often said just like, oh, it's because, you know, yes, you're challenging yourself. That's true. But also the way you challenge yourself, the way you're trying to solve whatever else is that new challenge, it says a lot and uh, makes you feel in different ways. So I love that. Definitely. Thank you. Definitely. Definitely. So those are the two, the spiritual, the sp spiritual component, the personal development goals in terms of really living, holding yourself accountable, practicing mm -hmm. that healthy self-discipline and holding yourself accountable to the things that you believe in the way that's authentic and sustainable for you. There are also, also the relationship element, and that includes partners, includes romantic relationships, it includes friendships, it includes business relationships and uh, networks. And then we have business, we have career and calling, mm -hmm. and that's, whatever that might mean for you. And then there are also financial goals. And I extend that to really mean abundance in all forms. So that can mean, it can mean wealth. It can also mean um, an abundance mentality, abundance mindset, or is it something that you need to up level into yeah. away from the scarcity perspective into the abundance and then health, nutrition, and fitness. And then the final one is fun, creativity, play, adventure. I love them. I love them. And I love that, uh, you know, first of all, you embody this framework, you embody these values, right? Because you apply them in your own life. But that's also something that you can help your clients with in the way of uh, how to apply all these different things and juggle them, but in a way that it's true to who they are. Because there are a lot of moving parts to all this, Nicoleta. <laughs> yeah, I can see yeah, that. But this is, this is all of your inner life. We haven't talked about, you know, the challenges that come depending upon, you know, are you, 
are you dating someone from a, from a, from the, another cultural background? You know, what's the what's the dynamic in, in blending the families? You know, with the in-laws whole the, that whole situation. You know, the family culture. All these things also come into play, but you have a solid foundation from within that makes sure that you are covering those areas to the best of your ability. And again, for me, this is a framework that's very much like getting up in the morning and bathing every day. It's very much like brushing your teeth at least twice a day. These are things that are non-negotiable. Yeah, but see, and that's actually what you started is that you did start from your non-negotiables. And I find that that's key because until we identify those areas, um, we, we are a bit lost. Okay. And uh, I can tell you, I, lo- I know you are big on vision boards. So, <laughs> and I feel in this way that the vision boards now, nowadays are, you know, more well-known and I'm all for actually visualization because we need to see something to believe it is and so on, you know, see it so you can become it in a way. At the same time, just hoping for it without doing, you know, that homework on understanding. These are the things that I want in my life. Okay. What are the things that, for instance, I don't want? What are the things that for me are key and that I'm not going to compromise for anything or anyone? That's as well part of that visualization. Otherwise, I feel that, uh, you know, one thing is not going to be accessible without the other. Or it feels just like, uh, yeah, you're done after the work. Not really, you know, you're not going to, it's not going to help you next uh, 2020 when the new year is coming and suddenly you find yourself is January and once again you have the same you know goals uh, (laughs) written down in your planner and so you haven't done any of them so well that's why I prefer to I see I my approach is really more of a global positioning system it's not what I, I don't call it a vision board although there are a lot of similarities For me, my GPS is a visual representation of the the desires and in the direction that I desire to to go on one hand. And it's also the things that I already have in my life that I appreciate. And every year I take myself on a journey where I reevaluate my GPS and see where there needs to be an update upgrade or a change or whether things have become more relevant or less relevant and I move in that direction and I give myself the the space to choose three to five goals because realistically speaking if I'm cultivating all of these different areas of my life those seven elements and then on top I have all these goals then I may be setting myself up for, for disappointment and failure rather than success. So the GPS for me is the vision that I break down into goals, three or five goals per year. And those five goals have various projects that move me toward those goals. And each of those projects, there are particular tasks that move me toward that project. And then for those tasks, there are various steps. So it's steps, then the tasks, the projects, the goals, and then I'm moving in the direction toward the GPS. And the GPS is the final destination, more or less. And 
Of course, on my GPS, I have an, an image of our vacation rental in the Provence, and I have an idea of what, I could have, I could have put any villa in the Provence on my GPS, but I chose something that I could relate to, a place to where I've been, a place that feels accessible for me, rather than some villa and with some, with these thousands and thousands of, of, of square meters that just doesn't feel it doesn't talk to you. It doesn't connect. And uh, no, I love it. It's like what you're saying is you're using so many different techniques and uh, really to anchor people, you know, to their vision, to their, and to yours, of course, in this case, but it's like uh, their vision, their um, determination as well to get to something because you need to have a connection, a purpose. Otherwise, it's just a pretty picture or it's just uh, uh, something written down because you feel that you have to. And that's what I'm seeing a lot. You know, even with business owners, I see a lot of people saying, oh, I need to be more visible. You know, I need to. But it's like, why? What's the end goal? What's the thing behind it? Why are you doing it? And I feel that you really have that all very, very clear and very well figured out as a system. And it's been for me, a lifesaver and a game changer. So I, I highly recommend the things that I know that have worked for me and encourage my clients to really find within this framework. Again, this is a framework for each individual. There's, an, there's a very individual way to express. Absolutely. This, because they are evaluated with them, right? It's exactly. Like, yeah. That's perfect. Exactly. And Monair, did you have a role model growing up? Well, you know, that's interesting. I, I had, of course, I had people in my family and in my community who inspired me in, in various ways. But I had to actually go to uh, an encyclopedia and discover someone really kind of intuitively who embodied what I really wanted to, to, to accomplish in my life. Uh, my, we grew up in a family, we had, in most American homes, most families have a, an encyclopedia growing up. And, but we had two sets of encyclopedia. We had the standard Encyclopedia Britannica that every American household has. And we also had a volumes of African-American heroes. So I was about, I guess, eight or nine years old. I can't even tell you exactly what I was looking for, but I started, kind of like browsing through this book and I stumbled upon Josephine Baker. Now Josephine Baker was a, is, is a, a performer, an artist, and she left Jim Crow United States during a really, really difficult time in US history for people of color. And she reinvented herself in Paris. And she inspired me. She inspired me because she was not only an, she was not only an artist, she was a, an agent in the resistance and had played a significant role in taking down Nazi Germany during World War II, and was personally invited by Martin Luther King to come to Washington, D.C. to be the only female speaker on the March of Washington. That's absolutely powerful, and I can see a lot of, you know, at such a young age, you were already looking a bit uh, uh, outside the box, let me tell you that, and uh, um, in terms of inspiration. But I love that because uh, um, that's a, you know, it's a real person with a very powerful story. And uh, 
honestly, what I love is that in your family, they were also providing you with, you know, African-American role models, because that's, that's super important. I'm, I can tell you from a different perspective, okay, that for me, I come from Sardinia, it's a small island, and uh, in Italy, honestly, I think only now we're finally putting aside inner rivalries, uh, mindset about, you know, south of Italy, north of Italy, and so on. But I know that uh, one thing that I always looked for were for um, role model or historical female figures of my island, because we do have a very strong um, island, uh, I think, uh, I don't know, love and roots. And uh, sometimes uh, when you look at, uh, you know, famous figures you find in, in history books, you know, you only find really, I don't know, such well-known, but sometimes so distant from you, from your reality, from what's important to you, that uh, they don't resonate. And uh, at the same time, for yourself, of course, uh, as African-American, it's super important, you know, to not lose that heritage to to actually cultivated it even more so that's amazing that your parents as well did such a thing because uh, i think it, it changes as well how you own your uh, your roots definitely 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 um i love that and uh, when it comes to uh let's say you know biggest priority in your life right now what would be like uh, the one that for you is really putting all your efforts in or what's most important to you right now? I think what's most important for me right now is really moving forward and supporting uh, global citizens, however they define it, and truly discovering what their particular brand of global citizenship looks like for them. And I also have I've, I've worked in, in, in the offline space primarily my entire life and I've shifted into, or I'm transitioning also into the online space simply because I feel like a lot of individuals don't know that there are actually, there's actually resources and support out there for this very critical stage of reinventing themselves or in the other case, reculturating back to their, their, their passport country after living abroad for many years and realizing that at this stage of their journey that the best thing for them to do is to go back to the passport country, which <laughs> is a similar process, which many people are surprised to navigate, that they experience culture shock coming back to the place where they were born. Absolutely. Look, you guys can see me, but I'm nodding here. And uh, it's because some of you may know as well, I've came back um, to Italy after almost 20 years abroad. And uh, um, for the first definitely six months, uh, if not longer, I feel like a guest back here. You know, it, it's very different when you come back home and it's uh, home, and once again, your, your home country, let's say, and um, uh, you're on vacation because it's a very different feeling. Everyone is relaxed uh, or, you know, your friends are happy to see you, but it's for a week, 10 days. Then when you come back, um, 
you remember all the reasons as well why you left, honestly, because you relieve a lot of things that were happening at the time or even just the memories that you carry with you, you know, of that time. For me, from simple things like finding the city is different, you know, places where I used to love going now, they don't exist anymore. I, I don't want to say that it's as difficult as when I moved but in a way, it is because uh, it's really about uh, reviewing this place and also trying to be objective. Because, uh, um, you know, yes, there is this nostalgia that plays a bit, but there is also about reviewing where you are, how it is right now, um, how do you feel, and as well, priorities. How do I want my life to be here? And you know, we were talking about what is your priority in life and so on. And when it comes to mine, I wasn't able to live here as long as my priority was corporate career, you see. So that was not a match. As soon as I was able to open my own business and to be self-sufficient and working online, then Italy was on the cards again because I could do that. But it's also, it's very much about the person that I'm here now is not the person that left. So definitely it's a lot of adjustment. And sometimes I think people underestimate it big time when they are deciding to go home. Definitely, definitely. I just had a conversation with a global citizen who had lived in eight countries and she reached out because she was in the process of reculturating back to her passport country. And it's a lot to consider. It's a lot to consider. And there are a lot of layers. And we know that the, the geopolitical realities are shifting mm -hmm. in significant ways. And this whole notion of what, what cult, cultural identity, nat national identity, this, the different layers of belonging that are necessary for us to really thrive as people, as individuals, they, they have a similar structure, but the elements change. And so it, it's really important for me to also stay rooted within myself, what that means for me at various stages of my journey, and also support others who are navigating the similar situations, find their own, their, own, their own place of thriving and know that they can thrive wherever they land. It's just a matter of cultivating these skills, these competencies, these disciplines to be in regular dialogue with yourself within yourself and all the different layers of, of, of belonging that are necessary for you to thrive and to adapt and adjust accordingly. Absolutely. I think one thing, honestly, in hindsight, um, if I could say to people is to do a test before, as in uh, for a longer period of time, you know, before moving to a country and see a bit, for instance, how do they feel? Do they fit in with the way people are? Because as well, for instance, for me, Italian, you know, yes, it's a bit stereotypical, but um, I love warm people, you know, I love people that are open, uh, they, they don't worry about talking to strangers or, you know, stuff like that. And uh, I found that in Ireland, but I lived, you know, I lived in UK in different cities because even that there are differences. And you know that as well from yourself, Monera, in Germany. It does change. It does change. Berlin and Cologne are two very radically different cities. There, there's some similarities, but there are a lot of differences. Yeah. And I was recently in Berlin uh, for a week and I realized, wow, this is one of the cities that I call home. But now that I've been living in Cologne for the last 19 years, 
I hear and see and feel the differences. Yeah, um, see, it's like um, um, me and my best friend, we have a, a little place uh, um, close to London that is in our heart. Uh, it's a little town called Bromley in Kent. And uh, we spent uh, two years and a half there. And honestly, we loved it. Uh, it's, it's such a cute town. And when we can, we go back and visit. But once again, that's the thing. is like the place that it used to be is not the place that it is now. So things move. And even recently, I, I, I think there was a quote in a movie that I watched. And uh, basically, you can never go back home because home changes. You know, that's what it says. And, and I felt it so strongly myself and uh, but i have to say if i didn't do all the work that i've done on myself on my priorities on uh, what do i want from life i don't think that this relocation would have been as successful you know um because i would have been lost and then i would have had to question things that i was doing instead of saying no this is aligned with you know for instance you call it your gps and uh, like that's that's really the point is finding some way where you know at every step of the way that whatever you're doing is aligned with your values and with what you want to do. Said that, it's still a transition, so I wouldn't underestimate it. I tried to do too much too soon. At the beginning, for instance, <laughs> I tried to go back to full speed in my business and, you know, reestablish relationships, set up the house. It was crazy. I was crazy <laughs> doing all That's that. That's a lot to take on. And I'm glad that you recognize that for yourself. Your body basically told you, Nicoletta, slow it's, down. I'm, oh, my body, my body told me big time. So Your body told you. Yes, yes. And I'm, I'm always mindful of this quote from Jim, Jim Rohn. And I modified it a little bit. And he says that if you don't, design your own life according to your healthiest preferences and definitions chances are you'll fall into someone else's plan and guess what they have planned for you not much i love it yes um that's really powerful and and it's true 100 and that's why we really need to have that uh, you know um kind of plan for ourselves uh, but also care for ourselves and on that note, so as a businesswoman and a global citizen, do you follow your heart or your head? Hmm. I, as, as someone who really strives to live from, from a holistic perspective, I give them all a place at the, at the, at the table, at the negotiating table. And I listen to all of their input and then I strive to find the healthy middle ground by taking just steps in that direction and see where that leads me and then adjust accordingly I think all those messages from my heart and my head they're there for a reason and they have they have value and I prefer a democratic process rather than an authoritarian process so I give them all a space at the I love it <laughs> And um, uh, what's uh, uh, what is one of your favorite words or phrases that you can share with us? Even if I mean you gave us already a fantastic and powerful quote. Uh, I have a word that I've been working with. For, I don't have New Year's resolutions. I have a word that I work with for the year, and this year my word was quantum. Hmm. And quantum, I 
took that word and broke it down into various elements. So the Q in quantum stands for questions. So that I'm asking questions and not making assumptions. The U is for unique. The A is for accountability. The N is for neuroplasticity. The T is for transformation. The U, the second U is for unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And the M is for multidimensional. Wow. Okay. So you really took it. I love this approach because I heard about, of course, getting a word. I've done it myself. Um, but I love that you gave a meaning, you know, to every single letter. And I like architecture. I love architecture. So the word has an architecture and a structure that, that's meaningful for me. Wow. Yeah. I love it. And uh, just a thing, where can people find you? Let's talk about that for a moment. Well, you can find me on the Coach Space. So I'll, I'm sure you'll, you'll drop the link in, in, the, in, the, in the podcast notes. And I'm at the Coach Space slash monair-renoir.vonner.com. And I know that's a mouthful. So that's why it's great that we have links and we can just copy and paste. Yes. And there it comes. Pardon? Yeah, just click on them. You just know? click on it. Just click on it. You'll provide the link and you can just click on it. And I also have a Facebook group called Global Citizens on the Move. And you can people who are interested or, or, or have really feel um, that, that this resonates with them, that they can certainly join the Facebook group and join the conversation. And on the, the coach space, I also have articles and resources and... I also have, as a, as a free gift, the opportunity for individuals who are in this process of just asking first, just making the first step, they can go ahead and download my five-day reset workbook, where I take them through a five-day process, to, which is a snapshot of just first shifting out of the chaos, because we all know that when you're reinventing, whether, whether you're re returning home or whether you're reinventing yourself somewhere new, there will be chaos but you can shift out of chaos to clarity and you can move through that messy middle and build a life that embodies thriving according to your healthiest preferences and definitions oh it's fantastic and yes i will absolutely put the links and uh, um i think it's worth i have to say even if people are not planning to move I think that, um, uh, you know, five days reset uh, sounds very appealing. Uh, no matter what uh, big change maybe you have, uh, you know, in, on, in mind or you're planning to do. Just my personal thing, but I'm going to check it out, actually. Uh, I'm very curious. I think it's going to be useful as well for a lot, exactly, of my audience. Uh, because, There's a lot of good resources in there. Yeah, but it's because right now what came to my mind is that when you're working on your confidence, especially as a business owner, things change because your perception about, you know, what you do, how you are putting yourself out there, how you want to be perceived is going to change as your confidence increases. And at that point, it might feel a bit confusing because you have to read restructure or change something that you took for granted before. So I find that uh, it's very helpful. So I'm going to have a look absolutely because I think it's super helpful to have that clarity and to feel as well, 
that there is a, a, a system to the madness and uh, you know <laughs> just to reconquer that uh, maybe routine or at least calm and peace that is necessary then to thrive so i love that you're offering that it's very good and uh, also i'm in monair's group just so you know people and she's super active so i love that and uh, she gives uh, plenty of value and she goes live as well with uh, you know like videos uh, and and tips so 100% recommend yay and uh, um monair so can you leave us with and once again, you give given so much, but can you leave us with a few words of wisdom for our audience? I think this particular perspective has um, been very helpful for me in terms of navigating my own personal global citizenship journey and uh, a sense of belonging. And I, I've come to the conclusion that belonging is something that I decide and that I can cultivate. And that's my, 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 my privilege and my choice and my responsibility. So that's something that has been instrumental in me reinventing and knowing that I can create that, my own reality, wherever I go, and that I choose where I belong and no one chooses that for me. Oh, I got, I got chills. I got chills a bit. So now this is fantastic. Thank you so much. That's a great as well soundbite and, and, uh, um, and, and the quote as well. So I really love it. Thank you so much, Monera. That's so powerful. And uh, look, you know, I asked you a lot of questions. Is there anything else I should have asked you that I forgot? Because you can't. I don't think so. And if something comes to mind, then we'll just have to make another appointment. Absolutely, absolutely. And look, once again, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to seeing what you will do and uh, how many people you're going to help. I think what you're doing is so new and original because honestly, at least from my experience, that did not exist before and it wasn't there and it wasn't thought so well out. So really looking forward to see you in your community and uh, as well for you people listening, look, go and check out Monair. I think is going to be uh, so interesting, especially for all multicultural global citizens uh, around the world. And there are so many nowadays. So thank you again. Thank you, Nicoletta. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Thank you for listening to this latest episode. If self-doubts and inner criticism are holding you back from joining your business as the CEO, as the boss, as the fantastic expert that you are I can help you email me at nicoletta at poise to shine.com and we'll arrange a call